0: Empire Welcome to Inside the Cap, I'm your host Joel Corey you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my regular CBSSports.com column, um, agent's take on NFL salary cap and contract matters. This week we're going to take a look at the financial implications of the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl selections were revealed on Wednesday night. Um, a couple of them have been teased out um, prior to that, um, Monday and Tuesday. But the full squads were announced on Wednesday. Just personally, I'm not a fan of the voting process. The fans get one-third of the vote. Coaches and players get two-thirds of the votes. I don't like fans voting for any All-Star games or any honors. But if you take the position that the uh, game is for the fans and let them see the players they want to play, then that's uh, the rationale. That's why you had Michael Jordan as an all-star starter in 2002 when his performance didn't warrant it. And in Kobe Bryant's last season, 2015-16 season, was nowhere close to being an all-star but was a leading vote-getter. But um, that being said, there are several players that have performance bonuses in their contracts uh, for Pro Bowl that were achieved. And we're going to go through those. Uh, Most notably, um, Xavier Howard had the biggest one. He earned a $1 million bonus for making the Pro Bowl. And then for anyone who makes the Pro Bowl for a bonus to be paid out, it has to be on the original ballot. So, if you are someone like Hassan Reddick, who had a $1 million Pro Bowl bonus, you get to play in the game as an alternate. The alternate status does not qualify you for the achieving or getting, collecting the bonus. And if you don't play in the game, you still get to collect if you're medically excused. And a lot of these guys wind up being medically excused generally. That's why you have alternates and why you see. Sometimes we'll see them go to the fifth, sixth quarterback. And one year, Mitch Trubisky got in <laughs> because the number of quarterbacks dropping out. Plus, the game is played before the Super Bowl, so the Super Bowl participants, players from those teams, are not going to be playing in the Pro Bowl. So. But Howard earns a $1 million Pro Bowl bonus, the biggest this year. This was a part of a reworking of his contract this year, early part of training camp. He wanted his contract um, renegotiated because he thought the cornerback market conditions had changed since he signed um, a couple of years ago to become the highest paid cornerback at slightly over $15 million per year. Now you got a $20 million per year cornerback setting the market in Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Dolphins had no interest in doing that because he has four years le- had four years left on his contract. Um, but they added in another $2.5 million in playtime incentives um, as well and gave him assurances that they would uh, rework his contract early in 2022, depending upon his health and performance. Over the past two years, he's had second-most interceptions in the NFL, 15. He had a league leading 10 last year, has five now. So his expectations are probably going to be for them to rip up the contract. It doesn't work that way. I'm not just going to rip it up and start anew. The best or the most analogous situation is going to be uh, DeAndre Hopkins. had three years. He had three years left on his contract when he was traded from the Texans to the Arizona Cardinals. And they ended up um, giving a two-year extension. They didn't rip it up. Some of the money was reallocated over the three years and then there's a two-year extension, making him the highest paid um, receiver in football. So there is a template for Howard and the Dolphins to work off of to do an extension with three years left on a deal. Jason Kelsey earns a $500,000 roster bonus uh, for making the Pro Bowl escalation. He's got a $100 2022 March roster bonus and it can escalate by uh, up to uh, $3,500,000 of the escalation is tied to the Pro Bowl. The It's, first, it's the first day of the league year roster bonus. The interesting thing is, so that'll be March uh, 16th. The interesting thing is most salary escalations, base salary or roster bonuses are non-guaranteed. This roster bonus becomes guaranteed whatever he earns. He can earn it based on... Um, his play time and also whether Philadelphia gets the playoffs and how far they advance. Um, But the only other one I can recall like this was Ron Fitzpatrick's for the second year of the Dolphins contract. Anything he earned for his base salary escalator became guaranteed. So that's unusual in and of itself. Um, We have Kenny Moore, the Colts cornerback $250,000 base salary escalation um, for his 2022 salary. Um, also, his 2023 salary goes up $100,000 um, as well. I call this like a pyramiding escalator, where what you do in one year ends up impacting the other years or other year. Uh, we had Kenny Clark as well, taking his base salary from $8 million to $8.25 million, the Packers' interior defensive lineman for his Pro Bowl selection. To the two special teamers, uh, J.T. Gray from the Saints. And Matthew Slater for the Patriots, who is always seemingly always a special team selection from the uh, AFC, $100,000 incentive for making the Pro Bowl. Now, Pro Bowl also has other significance um, contractually as well. The proven performance escalator for non-first round picks uh, changed a lot in the 2020 CBA. It used to just be one escalator which applied to 3rd through 7th round picks based on play time. There's now a level to the escalator which applies to 2nd through 7th round picks based on whether you have any Pro Bowl selections. Uh, One Pro Bowl selection will make your 4th year salary, your total 4th year salary, equal to the 2nd round restricted free agent tender for that year. Now, some people who had earned the escalator, but didn't end, up, didn't end up playing on it because it started applying to the 2018 draft class were uh, Fred Warner, Darius Leonard, Nick Chubb, the all-signed extensions. But their base salary for this year, 2021, had escalated to $3.384 million. Now, how you figure out the restricted free agent tender is for the 2022 league year, it will be the increase of the salary cap, the percentage increase of the salary cap applied to what the second round tender was last year, plus $125,000. So we know the cap is supposed to be set at $208.2 million this year. That's a 14.08% increase from what it currently is at $182.5 million. You apply that plus $125,000, that means the salary is going to be million for guys drafted in the second round in 2019. And there are three players that applies to. uh, Debo Samuel, the 49ers um, second round pick wide receiver. Max Crosby, fourth round pick from the Raiders. And Matt Gay, the kicker for the Rams for the Los Angeles Rams. Their salary in 2022 will be $3.986 million. Um, 49ers are very proactive, so I wouldn't be surprised if they don't work out a contract extension before the start of training camp or, at the very least, <clears throat> during the preseason for um, Debo Samuel. Right now, um, including last night's game, he's got 1,247 receiving yards on 70 receptions, also has run the ball um, 44 times to for 301 yards. He started playing more in the backfield because of injuries to the 49ers running backs. But prior to that, through week 10, he was second in the in receiving yards. So there are only a handful of receivers who are making over $20 million per year. That's going to change um, because of Devontae Adams, if he signs a long-term deal. Um, at least there will be one more. It's DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, and Amari Cooper. I suspect Debo's going to want to be in that neighborhood. Okay, Max Crosby. Sacks have been few and far between for Crosby uh, this year, Uh, but his quarterback pressures have... He's been among the league leaders in quarterback pressures for most of the year. So anyone who can put consistent pressure on a quarterback typically gets, gets paid. So... He's one of the bright spots for uh, the Raiders who've had a very tough season, a lot of turmoil. But I'm anticipating that uh, Crosby is going to be looking to get in that $20 million per year uh, neighborhood for for pass rushers, which is the going rate for uh, highly productive ones. Uh, I believe he has five sacks this year, Um, has been stuck on five sacks for a long time. Um, that will be held against them in negotiations. But typically, if you can get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, (laughs) ultimately that will translate into sacks. So that will be one to keep your eye on as well. And then Matt Gay is interesting from the standpoint that he was released by the Buccaneers right before the start of the 2020 regular season for – Ryan Suckup, was on was sitting on the Colts practice squad when he was plucked off of that and became the Rams kicker. <laughs> so uh, this is a guy that this year is leading the NFL in field goal percentage. He is converting um, 96.6% of his field goals. He's only missed one um Point after touchdown, one extra point attempt. So it's going to be uh, very interesting to see where he gets paid. Given he's one of the uh, most productive kickers, highest-paid kicker is just, there's only one five million dollar per year kicker. That's Justin Tucker. Right now, the going rate for a very good kicker is the three five to four million dollar range. So we'll see if um, the Rams decide to extend him in in. in um, That range uh, as well. Getting back to Max Crosby, he's got 94 total quarterback pressures, but five sacks. Um, So that's what he can hang his hat on, and we'll see how that one goes. Um, It also is going to apply to uh, players in 2023 as well. Um, We don't know what the – Second year what the uh fourth fourth year salary is gonna be for twenty twenty draft picks, but Jonathan Taylor, Trayvon Diggs, Devin Duvernay were all named to the Pro Bowl. So their twenty twenty-three salary is gonna be whatever the second round tender is next year. Now we got another implication for um the Pro Bowl. Fifth year options and how they're calculated for first round picks changed in the new CBA. It used to be Based strictly on your draft position, uh, picks one through 10, your fifth year option was uh, the transition tag heading into your fourth year at your position. If not, if you were picked after the top 10, picks 11 through 32, it was the third through highest, third through 25th highest paid players at position. As calculate the way franchise and transition tags are calculated, Um, The options were just guaranteed for injury upon exercise and fully guaranteed heading into the fifth year on the first day of that league year. Now when you exercise it, it's fully guaranteed. That was something that started with the 2018 draft class. So there have been implications for the Pro Bowl selections as well. Uh, First relating to the 2019 first-round picks, their fifth-year options have to be picked up from the beginning at the end of the regular season, January 10th. Um, must be exercised by May 2nd. Three guys earned the Pro Bowl this year from the 2019 first round. Kyler Murray, that was the second Pro Bowl, the uh, Cardinals quarterback. Now, how it works is if you have two Pro Bowl selections, then your fifth year option will equal the franchise tag heading into your fourth year. So, Kyler Murray's fifth year option in 2023 is the 2022 franchise tag, which projects to 29.703 million. Nick Bosa has come back with flying colors from tearing his ACL last year. He's got 15 sacks in 15 games. He made the Pro Bowl as a rookie. Was the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year um, his rookie year in 2019. So since this is his second Pro Bowl, then his fifth-year option is going to equal the defensive end franchise tag, and that's going to be $17.859 million. I don't know if Kyler Murray gets a deal done before the start of the 22 regular season, but I'd be shocked if Nick Bosa does not because the San Francisco 49ers are one of the most proactive teams in terms of their core players, and I anticipate Nick Bosa being the first $30 million per year defensive player right now, the highest-paid uh, defensive player and also non-quarterback is Steelers edge rusher TJ Watt who signed a four year um, extension for a little over $112 million um, right before the start of the regular season with $80 million fully guaranteed um, deal averages just a shade over $28 million per year uh, so that's the current benchmark Panthers defensive end Brian Burns was selected to his first Pro Bowl so his fifth-year option in 2023 is going to equal the 2022 uh, transition tax for defensive ends, and that projects to $16.012 million. Um, he benefits from the change in the calculations. He was a 16th pick in the round, so had it stayed the old way, then his option would be a lot less. The third through 25th highest paid defensive ends, that salary projects to $11.5 million. So we're talking... A four and a half million dollar swing, a little more than four and a half million dollar swing in the option for Brian Burns in his favor. There are some first round picks in the 2020 draft who were impacted as well. This will be going towards their fifth year option 2024, which won't be exercised until after the 2022 regular season ends. So they have one more year to add to whether It's a franchise tag or transition tag. Justin Herbert, he's making his first Pro Bowl this year. So that means his 2024 option is going to be the 2023 quarterback transition tag number. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, the uh, right tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His 2024 fifth-year option will be the 2023 offensive line transition tag. Justin Jefferson made the Pro Bowl last year. That's now two for him, so his option in 2024 will be the 2023 ride receiver franchise tag. This guy, his by the end of the season, is going to be the most productive receiver in NFL history through his first two seasons. Right now, he's got 177 catches for 2,735 yards. That's fifth all-time receptions, first two years. The record is by Michael Thomas, 196 catches. He should get the yardage record this week um, in the Vikings' next game. He's 20 yards off Odell Beckham's um, pace. Uh, And he also had four guys who are rookies this year, where their fifth-year option in 2025 is now the transition tag at their respective positions. That's tight end Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons. Jamar Chase, the wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle for the – Los Angeles Chargers, and Micah Parsons, linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. Parsons is probably going to be Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's gotten talk about potentially being the Defensive Player of the Year. Here's where Parsons gets interesting. They use him kind of all over. He's a off-ball linebacker by trade, but he's a one hell of a pass rusher um, as well. He's got 12 sacks this year. Which is seventh in the NFL. I want to be known as a pass rusher as opposed to an off ball linebacker. So, um, and typically the defensive end franchise tag is bigger than a linebacker franchise tag. That won't be the case in 2022, but in almost every year I can recall, that has been the case. But his fifth year option will be determined by where he takes the most snaps um, in. 2020 in in 2024 so we'll see if he's playing more snaps of his hand in the dirt rushing the passer versus in, in a two-point stance and you may have a grievance over that jadavion clown he had a grievance over his franchise tag position because he wanted to be classified as defensive end as opposed to a linebacker and he and the texans had a settlement where they basically gave him the hybrid uh the average of the two so we'll see what happens with um Uh, Michael Parsons uh, along those lines as well. Well, Being selected to the Pro Bowl also can have consequences in an actual negotiation, um, not just where you're on a bonus or you have salary escalated by the CBA. Agents will use the Pro Bowl to bolster a case for a player for a client when they're negotiating for him, whereas a team will try to minimize it by saying it's a popularity contest. If the team brings it up and tries to use it against the player for a play that has made the Pro Bowl, he'll say, ah, it's just a popularity contest. So people use it kind of at their disposal. But um, there are some Pro Bowlers who are in contract years, and some of them will have some interesting situations. Um, let's take a look at some of those as well. First, going to running back, uh, James Conner. Um, made the Pro Bowl from the Arizona Cardinals. it has got 700 rushing yards. Didn't become a factor in the passing game until Chase Edmonds got hurt. But he's 30 NFL, 16 touchdowns, 14 rushing touchdowns. Um, signed a one-year deal for $1.75 million to go to Arizona. Uh, Edmonds is also unrestricted at the end of the year, so I don't think they'll be able to have both back. They'll pay probably one or the other. The benchmark I'm looking at is last year, Arizona didn't want to pay Kenyon Drake. They let him go to the Raiders to be the second running back, complementary back to Josh Jacobs. He signed for $11 million over two years. Deal maxes at $14.5 million through incentive. So if I'm Connor, I'm kind of looking at, well, if I can get to there as a minimum, great. At wide receiver, we've got Devontae Adams. Packers have to make a decision about whether to franchise them or not. It'd be a no-brainer if they didn't have a ton of cap commitments uh, for next year, and maybe it's tied to Aaron Rodgers and what his situation ultimately ultimately is. The um, Packers, in terms of their their cap situation, is probably the second worst um, in in the NFL um, behind the Saints. The, they're projected to be about $40 million over the cap. <laughs> you have to shed that type of payroll. Before you talk about putting a $20.12 million franchise tag on Devontae Adams, they couldn't get anything done in a negotiation during the um, preseason and off season. He wanted to be the highest paid receiver in football, which in new money is DeAndre Hopkins at $27.25 million per year. The Packers are trying to discount that deal, dismiss it, because he had three years left on his contract. I guarantee you if DeAndre Hopkins' new money came in at $18 million per year, they'd be using that against him. So you can't have it both ways. Either the deal counts and you look at it at new money, which is what the negotiation was over, or not. You can't cherry-pick deals. They're in the marketplace or they're not. Um, there are two guys who are heading into contract years of wide receiver that will be interesting to watch. Uh, actually, one. Tyreek Hill will be in a contract year in 2022. It'll be the last year of his three-year $54 million extension that he signed a couple of years ago when he was under the cloud of, of child abuse allegations. He'll definitely want a raise, and Stefan Diggs will have two years left on his contract. He wasn't happy with his contract when he got there. When he had four years, they um, shifted some money uh, upwards to placate him and modified his incentives, so we'll see if... He gets something done of two years left. He has to continue to wait. Moving to the offensive line, the first one we got is Orlando Brown, the left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. He makes the Pro Bowl as a left tackle after being a right tackle with the Baltimore Ravens. The reason he's no longer with the Ravens is because he wanted to be a long-term left tackle. And In hindsight, given the injuries they've had at multiple positions, they could have used him to stay at left tackle. They only would have gotten a compensatory third-round pick in 2023 for him leaving in free agency. But he's got a lot of leverage with the Chiefs. Now he's a pro bowler at left tackle. Um, Chiefs gave up their 2021 first-round pick, 2021 third-round pick, 2021 fourth-round pick, and a 2022 fifth-round pick for Brown, a 2021 second-round pick, and a 2022 sixth-round pick. So, Anytime you don't get a deal done with a player in a contract year in a trade, you hand that guy the hammer. So the highest-paid offensive lineman is right now Orlando Brown. So I don't think he's – I am not Orlando Brown. I should say that's who I'm talking about. Trent Williams at $23.01 million per year. David Batiari is at 22, $23 million, And – um, Tunsil is at 22 million. You have right tackles where the top of that market is 19. So I'd be shocked if you get Orlando Brown for less than 20 million per year. Brandon Scherf for the Washington Football Team, um, despite missing a couple games because of injury, makes the Pro Bowl again. He won't be franchised. Um, he's franchised the past two years. He's playing under an 18.036 million dollar franchise tag by CBA rule his third tag will be 144% of his second tag or the highest franchise tag number in position which is quarterback that's going to be $29.073 million. he's hitting the open market if they can't work out a long term deal with him what we've seen in recent years is if you have a high caliber guard hit the open market he becomes highest paid player to position that happened this year with Joe Tooney signs for $16 million per year. For him to stay in Washington, there's no deal to be made that isn't more than $16.5 million per year. He's gone year to year the past two years and made just over $16.5 million per year. So why would he sign for less than that to stay put? So he's going to be looking – I expect him to be the highest paid offensive guard when his deal's done. And that'll be a short-lived um, – Reign as the highest paid guy at the position because – Quentin Nelson ultimately will be the highest-paid guard. He's heading into his fifth-year option in 2022 for $13.754 million. And if I'm him, I'm trying to be the highest-paid offensive lineman on the team, which is currently Brandon Smith, the right tackle of 17.5, 17.5, $17.5 million per year. So I'm looking to top that um, if I'm him. Um, we have Ryan Jensen uh, from Tampa Bay who is in a contract year. We saw that everyone with Tampa to keep the band together this year was more concerned about that than necessarily maximizing or getting every last dollar. When Jensen got to Tampa as a free agent in 2018, he became the highest paid center at $10.5 million per year. He's going to want a raise because he's like, hey, I'm not declining. I shouldn't take less than what I signed for four years ago. Top of the market is Frank Ragnow from the Um Detroit Lions at thirteen and a half million per year. It was Corey Lindsley who left the Green Bay Packers for the Chargers and free agency at $12.5 um million per year. So that's that's another one to keep an eye on. There's a one there uh one or two fullbacks on the uh Pro Bowl teams, Patrick Ricard is a Pro Bowl. The two highest paid fullbacks in the league are the Pro Bowl fullbacks. Kyle Yusek from the um, San Francisco 49ers um, is the NFC fullback. Uh, Ricard signed an extension a couple years ago, averaging $3.65 million per year. And that was when he was a two-way player as well. So I don't know how much the Ravens were thinking that money is allocated for him also being an interior defensive lineman. Now he's a full-time fullback. Yusek is making $5.4 million per year. You've got Derek Watt at $3.125 million. Per year, and really, he's a special teams player because he barely plays on offense. And C.J. Ham's at three million, and those are the fullbacks that really get paid a ton of money. Ricard plays more than the other fullback besides USEC. He's been on the field for just over fifty percent of um, the Ravens' offensive snaps this year, so he'll he'll probably not want to take a pay cut. But I'm interested to see how he does because I suspect. You don't get paid really as a fullback to switch teams. Uh, Derek Watt did um, to go from the Chargers to the Steelers, but I call him the highest-paid special teams player in the league. I think he's getting paid more for a special teams play than being a fullback. C.J. Hamm re-signed with the Vikings. USEC's contract expired, went into free agency, went back to the 49ers. So we'll see if Ricard stays put or... I'd be really curious to see what he would get from another team. There's one edge rusher, Chandler Jones. He's in the Pro Bowl as an outside linebacker, but he's a 4-3 defensive end. That's what he was in New England. He's in the last year of a five-year, $82.5 million contract that he signed as a franchise player with the Cardinals. Um, He's had a bounce-back year uh, last year. Ended up uh, missing the final 11 games with Torn Bicep. Uh, got to Started the season like gangbusters. Was NFC Defensive Player of the Week for what he did against the uh, Titans in Week 1. Five sacks, four tackles for losses, two forced fumbles. Only He's only had four and a half more sacks for the rest of the year. And Marcus Golden leads the team in sacks of 11. Now, there was a report early at the beginning of the season that he turned down a one-year-off for $14 million with the uh, Another $1.5 million in incentives for 15 sacks. Typically, pass rushers who hit the market at 31, 32, 33 don't fare well in free agency, and he'll be 32 in February. You won't franchise him because that's $25 million is his franchise tag number, so I'm curious to see if he leaves where that deal ends up. He's going to think, hey, I'm still the same guy I I was when I signed five years ago team's going to look at we're not paying you for what you did we're paying for paying you for what we expect you to do and history has shown that you get diminishing returns with pass rushers as they start to advance in age that'll be one that'll be curious to watch we got a couple guys in the um secondary uh quadrate digs is an interesting one for me because seattle needs to decide are they going to, how much money they're gonna to allocate to the safety position. They don't pay corners. They made Jamal Adams the highest paid safety in the league at seventeen point five million dollars per year. Diggs is in a second straight Pro Bowl uh this year. He's tied with Justin Simmons for the most interceptions from a safety over the since the start of the twenty twenty uh regular season. He's gonna be thinking, hey, I should get Justin Simmons money. And Simmons signed for sixty-two million over four years on his deal. <laughs> That's fifteen and a half million per year. So he's gonna be thinking that. A team may be thinking, well, Micah Hyde money, which is nine point six two five million per year, maybe and then you had John Johnson in free agency who signed for eleven point two five million per year uh to go from the Rams to the Browns. We've got um Derwin James made a second Pro Bowl, uh, finally healthy. Was great as a rookie. Two injury-plagued years. Missed all of uh, last year uh, tor- from meniscus surgery. Played was limited like five games in his second season. He's scheduled to play in a 9.05 million dollar fifth-year option in 2022. If I'm James, I'm like, hey, I'm healthy. I'm back. When I'm when I play, I'm the best safety in football. I'm your Swiss Army knife jack of all trades. You can put me basically anywhere. I can do multiple things. I'm pointing to that um, Jamal Adams deal. Tyron Matthew can't be franchised by the Chiefs because it's too cost prohibitive. Plus, that's probably going to go to Orlando Brown anyway. He only, only franchise one player. His number would be $23.63 million because of the way the 120% of prior salary provisions work for franchise tags. You can't hold his age against him. He's 29 um, because of what the Vikings did of Harrison Smith. They made a 32-year-old Harrison Smith, the second highest-paid safety in the league, at $16 million per year. Um, when he went to Kansas City in free agency, he signed for $14 million per year. That tied him for the highest-paid safety in the league at the time. If he can't get to Jamal Adams, he's at least going to want to get above Harrison Smith, and that's assuming he's looking to maximize dollars. And I think if he wasn't, if he was going to give Kansas City a home team discount, hometown discount, this deal probably would have been done already. Uh, but it wasn't. Now, uh, turning to the cornerback position, J.C. Jackson may be having the best contract year of anybody. He was named AFC Defensive Player of the Month in November. He's got seven interceptions this year. He's got 21 over the since the start of 2019 regular season. That's the most in the NFL. He's leading the NFL of 20 passes defensed. The Patriots... Are gonna have a tight cap situation, particularly if they franchise him, and that number's projected to seventeen point two eight seven million. But you let a man to man corner hit the open market, he should do very well. Um he's gotta be looking. Hey, Marshall Lattimore signed for nineteen point four million per year for the Saints to um right at the start of the regular season. It, he's proven that he can be a number one corner. That was the biggest concern of him. Stefan Gilmore had been the number one, the defensive player of the year two years ago. He was out at the beginning of the year for quad injury before he was traded to the Panthers, and look how J.C. Jackson's performed. Now, if you franchise him, then you're putting yourself basically at $19 million per year is what the agent's going to look for at a minimum because he's going to go, you franchise me once, 20% raise in the second franchise tag, and I'm basically at $38 million over two. So, if New England wants to pay him and they paid a bunch of outsiders last year in free agency, and players look at that. You pay the outsiders, not the guys that you uh who've done stuff for you for years. I used to hear that all the time as an agent when free agency free agents would get paid more than the guys who've been there that were my clients. So, <laughs> I'm sure that dynamic will come up. <laughs> but can they really afford to let him go when you've already you let Gilmore go in a trade? <laughs> Then there's um, also Denzel Ward, named to his second Pro Bowl. He went as a rookie in 2018. Um, His fifth-year option in 2022 would be $13.294 million. He's got the same agent, Torrey Dandy, uh, as Marshawn Lattimore. So you know he's looking at that as a floor and probably wants to be paid more than Jalen Ramsey, who was highest-paid corner at $20 million per year. And last but not least, The Cowboys kicker, uh, punter, I should say, Brian Anger. Brian Anger is leading the NFL in net punting at 43.9 yards per punt. He is playing on his league minimum $1.075 million salary. And it's it's, it's a one-year deal, which is called a veteran salary benefit contract. And when you sign one of these types of contracts, then you get... The team gets a break on the cap hit. The cap hit is $850,000, which is the league minimum for a player of two credited seasons. He was making $2.75 million per year before the Texans cut him in March. The average salary for veteran punters, according to Nest punters on non-rookie contracts, according to NFLPA data, is just over $2 million. And the most recent data point, for punters in the marketplace is by A.J. Cole, the AFC punter from the Raiders who two weeks ago signed an extension, four-year extension for $3 million per year. So if Dallas wants Brian Anger back, it's not going to be another veteran salary benefit contract, that's for sure. They're probably going to have to pay him the going rate um, for a punter. That's going to wrap up uh, this week's uh, Inside the Cap. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-L. And also read my CBSSports.com. Um, Agent Take. everyone have a Merry Christmas. And we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.